Luke tonight, Luke chapter 2, if you got a Bible and want to turn, or a smartphone and want to scroll, Luke chapter 2, last Wednesday we talked about the angel appearing to Mary, and Sunday we talked about the angel appearing to Joseph, announcing that the Savior would be born, the Son of God would be born to the Virgin Mary. And tonight in Luke chapter 2, we'll look at the first seven verses, and we will see about the birth of Jesus. So let's pray, and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these words, and I pray, God, that you would just help us to focus on you in these few minutes, that your Holy Spirit would just lead and guide the words that I speak, dear Lord, that they would be from you, that our ears would... Be willing to listen, dear Lord, and I pray that you're glorified through the words that we read here tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. So the scene is set for us here that kind of puts into motion things that were prophesied way back in the Old Testament. Uh, my translation here says Quirinius. Some of your translations may say Serenius. It's the same person. But at this time, the Roman Empire was, was the powerhouse of the day, and, and things were pretty peaceful in the land. And a, 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 a decree went out that everybody was to turn return to their homes so that the census could be taken so that they could be registered from wherever they came from. And so that sets the scene for what is about to take place. In verse 4, And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Now, of course, we already know of Mary and Joseph at this point. We've seen that in Matthew's account of the gospel and Luke's account of the gospel. We were introduced to Joseph and Mary, and here we see Joseph and Mary mentioned again, and they are going to be part of this census, this decree that is taking place. And so David, or excuse me, Joseph has to return to uh, his hometown, which was Bethlehem, and that's what we see here. And Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, we see here that Bethlehem is referred to as the city of David, which may make us scratch our head a little bit, because when we read in the Old Testament, when we see the city of David, it is a reference to Jerusalem. So which is it? Which is the city of David, Jerusalem or Bethlehem? Well, when we see the city of David mentioned here, it is not that, that, that one is wrong or the other is wrong. Generally speaking, the city of David is Jerusalem. But the reason why Luke uses this language here is because Bethlehem is where David was from. Now, if you go back and you read in 1 Samuel 16 when God sent Samuel to appoint the new king, God tells Samuel, go to Jesse in Bethlehem and appoint a son there in Bethlehem, which is where David was from. And so when we see this language here that he went to the city of David, which is Bethlehem, 
It's drawing us back to that story. It's drawing us all the way back to David. We've talked about that, both when we talked about Mary and when we talked about Joseph. We talked about the significance of David, that Jesus is from the line of David, and we are being reminded of that yet again here in Luke as this story is being described for us, that Joseph and Mary went back to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, and again, we see it stated, because he was of the house of the family line of David. Now, when we talk about the family line, if you flip on to the next page in your Bible to Luke chapter 3, you see Luke give a genealogy of Jesus. If you flip back to Matthew chapter 1 at the beginning, you see Matthew give that genealogy of Jesus. Okay, so we see these references. These are, these are key, both in Matthew's telling of, of, of the account of Jesus and of Luke's and the angel to Mary, to Joseph, we see the mention of David. Here again in Luke, we see this mention of David, the city of David, the family line of David. Now, Bethlehem was of some significance, and Luke points this out here. If you want to flip back in the Old Testament to Micah, that's going to be kind of toward the, the back part of the Old Testament. And if you don't want to flip there, I'm just going to read one verse to you. But in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we see a prophecy concerning Bethlehem, which is why it's important that these things took place in the way that they did. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, <coughs> it says, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from eternity. Now, I'm sure at the time that this was written in Micah, you know, there wasn't really a lot to go on there. But now that we have the story of Jesus before us in Scripture, and it's explained to us that this is who was being talked about in this passage, was Jesus who was to come, there is significance to Bethlehem, that the Son of God, the Messiah, was going to come from Bethlehem, one who was eternal and will be eternal. And we see that prophesied for us all the way back in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And so it is significant that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Maybe we sang that song, but we don't really stop to think about the significance. Now, it's amazing that God allows these things to occur in the way that they need to occur for Mary and Joseph to be in Bethlehem at just the right place at just the right time. No doubt God had a hand in these things, even through uh, the Caesar here who put this into motion so that everybody would come back and be where they needed to be. And so it was that Mary and Joseph ended up at just the right place at just the right time, just as God said it would be. The Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. The Messiah was going to come from the family line of David. And we are reminded of that in these two verses right here. Which are, which are important for us to realize both of these things that were mentioned. Verse 6, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. Now, the birth of Jesus is described for us here in these two short verses with very little information for us to go on. I would say that there are many things probably surrounding the birth of Jesus that we would really like more information on. And we 
fill in the gaps as best we can, as is, as, is, as is often the case when we see Christmas programs on TV or take part of Christmas programs in the church. We, we arrange things in such a way and fill in gaps that maybe the scriptures doesn't tell us. And, and that's okay, so long as we realize that, okay, well, these things may have happened this way or they may have happened a different way. One good example of that would be that, of course, on their long journey to Bethlehem, that, of course, Mary rode on a donkey. Now, we, we say that's part of the story, but the scripture never tells us such things. Now, perhaps she rode on a donkey. Some would say she didn't ride on a donkey, that that would not be the best mode of transportation, especially for a pregnant woman. This would have been a journey of around 60 to 90 miles, depending on which they which way they would have gone. But when we read the passage here, we simply do not have information. We know that they couldn't find a place to stay. Now, what kind of place they were looking for, it's hard to know. They were looking for a place to lodge, but there were none available, and that's understandable. If you've ever been to a big city when there was a big event going on, you know that it's not always easy to find a place to stay. Now, there were a lot of people that were coming into town for this, just as Mary and Joseph were. They weren't the only people there. And again, God has placed everything into just the right place at just the right time. Now, if God would have desired for Jesus to have been born in the middle of, of a castle surrounded by gold and silver and fine linens, God could have accomplished things in such a way. But in all the places for the king to come from, in all the places for the Messiah to come from, he came from little old Bethlehem. He was raised in little old Nazareth. He was born not in a fancy lodging place, but in a place where animals were kept. Now, perhaps that was something like a barn. Perhaps it was something like a cave. I mean, there are lots of different suggestions that people have as to what this may have looked like. But again, we don't know the answer to that. But we know that Jesus was born and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was placed in a feeding trough. And really, what more do we need to know? It's fun for us to think about. I wonder if it could have happened this way or happened that way. And we'll never know in this world. And when we leave this world, we won't care exactly what it looked like or how it took place. But what I think we can see from passages like these is that God was at work in every detail of what was taking place to bring Jesus into the world. And Jesus was brought into the world in the most humblest of circumstances which really paved the way as we begin to read here in the beginning of this story in Luke. It's really pointing us forward to who Jesus is going to be. He was a Savior who came from a humble birth. And as the story of Jesus continues throughout the gospel accounts, he was a man who lived a humble life and a man who lived a humble death. So for Jesus, it wasn't necessarily where he started so much as where he was going. You see, God put everything into place to put Jesus right where he needed to be to fulfill things just as they needed to be fulfilled. And while Jesus came from a humble birth, this is where Jesus came from, but, but what was most important is where Jesus was going. And he, his humility was going to take him from a feeding trough to a cross. And so it is for us in some way. God has established our paths for us. He knows where we need to be and, and why we need to be there and why we are born where we are and why we end up where we end up at just the right place and just the right time. Now, I would venture to say 
that there are probably not a single specific passage about you and I in the Old Testament that prophesies something specifically we would do. But yet, and still, God has things in store for us, and God wants to use us to build his kingdom, to accomplish his work, and to do his will. And it doesn't matter where you have come from. What matters is, where are you going? God had established a plan for Jesus, and Jesus was ready to do the will of the Father and to go where the Father was going to send him, which ended up being all the way to death on a cross. So where is God sending us? Where did we come from? We may say, oh, I come from a place I'm not capable, I'm not, I'm not fit, I'm not good enough, I'm not, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough to do anything that God may call me to. But it doesn't matter what our past is or where we have come from. Where may God want you to go today? Maybe he wants you to go to your neighbor's house. Maybe he wants you to go overseas to be a missionary. I don't know where our futures uh, are going to send us, but I believe that God knows every decision that we are going to make and everywhere that we are going to go and everything that we are going to do. And one thing we can be assured of as God's children is that God wants us to do things and live our life in a way that's going to build his kingdom. And so what a beautiful example we have of Jesus who started his life from a humble beginning, who lived his life humbly, and who finished his life humbly by giving his life on a cross. And what better example is there for us to go on? There are a lot of things in Scripture we simply don't know the answer to, details we wish we knew, things we can imagine, things we can think about. But there are things in the Bible that are most important that we do know the answers to, and that is Jesus. We know that Jesus was the Son of God, regardless of the details surrounding his birth, and we know that he died on a cross so that we could be forgiven. And the rest of it doesn't matter, so long as we know that truth and have faith in that truth. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this beautiful story and these clues that you give us in your word, these reminders to remind us about the prophecies of Bethlehem and the, and the city of David, dear Lord, to remind us about the family line and the lineage of David, God, that these are all clues pointing us back to something that's pointing us forward. And it all comes full circle, dear Lord, and it all comes to Jesus. God, we thank you for, for this story as we reflect on it and think about it. We thank you for the way in which Jesus came, dear Lord, that you sent us a humble Savior because, dear Lord, that's exactly the Savior we needed. So God, help us to follow that example. God, that we would humbly come before you to seek you and to live for you. And God, that we would live our life in such a way that as long as we walk this earth, God, that we too would remain humble just as Jesus Christ did. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.